Well, welcome and thank you for listening to the Jesus Everyday Podcast, a podcast where we're journeying through the scriptures, starting in Genesis and ending in Revelation, looking at how we find Jesus every single day in the text. This podcast is produced by Fellowship Community Church. Well, welcome to the Jesus Everyday Podcast, where every word, thought, verse, and chapter of the scriptures point us to the person of Jesus. My name is Ethan Callison, serve as one of the pastors here at Fellowship Community Church located in the Roanoke, Salem, Virginia area, uh, serve as our North Campus pastor as well as our online pastor, and I'm grateful for you listening in today as we're continuing in week two through the book of Jeremiah. Uh, this week, uh, today we're looking in uh, Jeremiah chapter 14 and 15, our uh, reading plan uh, to read through the scriptures and then hop into the podcast is found in the show notes below as well as any other time that we mention any links or any other uh, resources to aid you in your discipleship, you can just scroll down and find them there on any and all the podcasting platforms out there. So as we look at Jeremiah 14 and 15 today, what we're going to see is that there's this devastation of drought and defilement. Uh, and what happens is, is uh, there's this, if you read, there's probably subheadings in your scriptures that talk about uh, the fame and the sword and the pestilence, and then it gets into some, some lying prophets or some false teachers. But what's happening here is a massive drought is going through uh, Judah, and this is designed by God. God has sent this drought uh, in hopes that the people of Judah would see their need for God and repent and come back towards him. Now, I remember when I was growing up, uh, we went through a pretty rough drought for a couple of years uh, where I remember it was in uh, late elementary school and early middle school uh, where I was talking about how low the water line or the, the water table was from where, where it should be. Uh, and in this, uh, in Stanton, Virginia, there's a very agricultural area, a lot of uh, corn and a lot of farm and such. And I remember the impact that it had on my family that's in the farming industry as well as those around me. Uh, however, the direct impact impact to me when it comes to getting food or the provision of our family and all those things, uh, there was, there was, I'm going to say very little impact. There wasn't that much. Why is because we now have the ability as well as the connections uh, to ship food kind of all around and all over the place. Uh, so it's kind of like this past summer here in Roanoke, you know, we, we received quite a substantial amount of rain. Uh, I feel like I don't have the data to prove it, but I felt like it rained a lot here in this summer. I remember the grass just being super duper green, very pretty um, and all these things. But just, you know, an hour and 15 minutes up the road in 81 in Stanton, where I'm from, uh, my, my family went for uh, over 40 some days in the summer without a drop of rain in some areas. So this, this not only would ha will have and does have an economical impact on a community, but think through that today we have uh, an interconnection of a lot of cities, a lot of people, the shipping and the just think of the interstate system and the train system and all this. Like We export and import a lot of goods and services. But for Judah, for this city and for the people, everything that they need is found within walking distance of their house. And in that, when you have a drought that doesn't provide for you, you go without for a long period of time. And a drought really can, can, can wreak havoc on, on a large area of people and can really destroy things. So in this, the Israelites, they were, they were given the opportunity here, would they trust that God would provide for them or would they try to do it on their own? And how they would try to do it on their own is by, by getting alliances with other countries. And uh, it wasn't just for military dominance, but it was for this, this economic and livelihood, which, you know, it makes sense. Like, hey, if we're in a drought and we don't have food, let's, you know, partner up with our buddies down the road and let's share some goods. Let's barter and trade some goods and services and all that. 
But what God was saying is, no, like it's not a, like you need to trust me. Like I am over all this. I'm the one that's sovereign over this. But in this, the, the, the Israelites, those in Judah, chose the latter, that they would try to do it on their own. So Jeremiah here, really in chapters 14 and 15, you're going to see that he intercedes on their behalf. And he's pulling and he's asking God, please don't bring this devastation. Like, stop the drought. Don't do this. But God knows the people. And he knows that they know how to, you know, quote unquote, play the game, which is this. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll say something with their mouth and we'll, we'll make an offering and a sacrifice and we'll play the religious game. However, our hearts aren't actually going to be changed. Our hearts aren't actually going to be bent back towards loving God. We're not really actually going to repent. Repentance just isn't confessing with your mouth. It isn't just confessing your sins, but it's seeing a change in your beliefs and in your actions. And the people weren't really wanting to do that. So therefore, probably the subheading to chapter 15 says the Lord will not relent. That that God doesn't, doesn't obey. He doesn't listen to Jeremiah's. Uh, intercession on them, and and he brings forth destruction. And then in this, Jeremiah begins to complain again. So, so where do we see Jesus at in this? Where do we see Jesus in the, in this text? I, I think about Romans chapter six, in verses one through four, uh, where when Paul writes this to to the church in, in Rome, uh, he's talking about this grace, this big theological concept. And so in Romans chapter six, verses one through four, this is what the text says: it "says What shall we say then?" Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How do we, or how can we who died to sin still live in it? How do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. God we know oftentimes we, we will live this life and when things come to happen, you know, we will we'll say that, Lord, if you just get me through this, then, then I'll begin to live for you. Or we, we try to make these deals or make these, these, these transactional things with God. And God's like, I want your heart. And so Paul, and this, the, the big thing he's getting at is that we're alive in Christ. We shouldn't continue in our sins. And, and I think where we see Jesus at in this text is God knows more so than just our actions. He knows the motives of what we're going to do. So do we continue in sin because we know that Christ's grace will abound? No, we we are not to do that. But we are to live in the newness of life that Christ has called us to. This newness that he gave us a new name. He gave us a rebirth. We are no longer the old person, but the new has come. So I hope that today as we looked at the Jesus Everyday podcast here at Jeremiah chapter 14 and 15, the devastation of the drought and defilement.